Hello and welcome to I Can Relate. I'm Jessica Burns. This podcast takes us on people's journeys through personal and sometimes sensitive experiences. These are usually topics that are not spoken about. And the hope here is that by bringing them to light, it'll help others feel less alone in what they're going through. I look forward to embarking on this journey with you as we develop a greater understanding and empathy for one another. Today we'll be speaking with Lorraine Phillips, a very successful black businesswoman and a personal mentor of mine. Lorraine is from Jamaica, but her career has been spent in London and in my home country, Bermuda, where she now lives. Lorraine gives us the insight of what it's like to be a black woman working in a predominantly white and male workplace, describing the racism she has experienced over the last 30 years and how there are still issues prominent today. She shares with us how she overcame these barriers to climb the ladder and achieve the great success she has experienced. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Lorene. Welcome. Thank you so much for making the time to come on today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. It's 8 a.m. in Bermuda, so um, I must really, really love you to be getting up and doing this podcast. Uh, but it's well, really absolutely, my, it. absolutely my pleasure. Just because I think language is really important. Are you comfortable with me saying Black people um, or people of color? Actually fine with either one. Um, to be quite honest, I am most comfortable with black uh, okay. because that's who we are. Um, I don't call white people people of no color ness or <laughs> yeah. people of no color. I, yeah. I call them white. So I am just as comfortable being called black. Um, I think it's beautiful. I think it's who we are. And um, I'm very comfortable with that. I do understand, though, that uh, people of color is also acceptable and probably a bit more smoother to swallow for some people. But uh, based on my background, my history, my view of myself and where I see myself in it, I am very comfortable calling myself black. And I'm also as comfortable um, using the word people of color. So I use them interchangeably, but not because it, it makes others feel comfortable or myself feel comfortable. Sometimes I just use them interchangeably. But black is very good with me. Okay, good. Thank you, Lorreen. And in winter, you can call me see-through. So I will do that. I'll remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think we'll just jump straight in. So, yeah. Lorreen, for our listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your first experience with racism? I'm from Jamaica originally. And in Jamaica, we are the majority. And, and so color was never an issue. I never thought of myself as black, even though I identify as black and I know who I am. This was not something that was um, a negative at all. So for me, going into that environment was completely new. And from there on, I just really had to, to um, adapt and to be more aware, self-aware of what's going on around me. My first experience with racism, interestingly enough, was while I was in university in Canada. And I remember going to a mall and uh, there were a couple of people ahead of me, white individuals. And as they were heading out the door, um, uh, through the door, sorry, they uh, just released the door in my face. And I mean, I'm talking about an inch away from my face. And I was so shocked. I said to my friends that were with me, oh, they're so rude. Why would they do something like that? And everyone started laughing. 
And they said, Lorene, that's not being rude. That's just being racist. And I remember just being totally, um, it, it, I was like a daring headlight. Did this impact the way that you saw yourself? Not at all, actually. It, it affirmed who I was and who I am. Um, what it did change was, um, I, I guess the, um, the, the scar over my eyes were removed and I was able to see much clearer what the real world was. Um, I'm very happy for how I was raised and where I was raised because it gave me such a firm foundation of who I am and how I can show up wherever I am and hold that space. Um, so that experience actually, it gave me a bit of fight and it gave me a lot of confidence and it really started to prepare me for how do I want to show up and really having some clear understanding of who I am and, and how I want that to look um, both in my professional life and in my personal life. Painting a picture to listeners here of your career, because mm -hmm. you've been very successful. So would you just give a little short overlay for us? I've uh, been an underwriter in the insurance and reinsurance industry for just under 30 years I've been in the business and um, um, most recently worked in London and I am now back home in Bermuda. I've been back about eight months or so. So just in time for COVID and I have operated at a very high level um, in the industry um, and it has been an interesting ride both as a female and, and also as a black female. Um, in that industry. And my success was definitely not built on my um, accomplishments, achievements, or ability. It was built on having a really good network of supporters. I was so fortunate when I started in the industry, albeit that there was only one black female executive in the industry in Bermuda at the time. Oh, wow. Only one. And I was fortunate that I was a scholar for this particular company where she worked at. And I was introduced to her when we were making the rounds. And I just latched onto her because I just, it was so wonderful and refreshing to see somebody that modeled what I desired to become and gave me the, um, the confidence and the, um, I guess the positive thinking that this is actually possible. And so um, she became my mentor. I approached her, asked her if she could be my mentor. She happily said yes. And um, so she's been my mentor for 30 years. I don't make a move without her. She's retired now and she is as feisty and as engaged in the industry and as um, relevant in my life. Um, every decision I make, I run it by her. Um, she tells me what I need to hear, not what I like to hear. She has my back. She helps me not to, to make um, bad decisions. She helps me to avoid those landmines, those career landmines or those political landmines and a safe place where I could express myself sometimes when I deal with various obstacles in my career. And, you know, being a mentor is, is, is a gift, um, but being a mentee um, is, 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 is just a treasure to be able to have that type of um, guidance and to know that there is somebody that is looking out for you that is willing to be your advocate. So I would say my career that has spanned over these 30 years, for the large part, has been the support of many, not just my first Black female mentor in the industry, but I've had white um, males that have strategically supported me. My move to London was a white male. I, I could look over my career, and there have been many white males that have contributed uh, to my success. So uh, as much as I've done 
done my part, um, a big part of being able to move and to succeed uh, really relies on who is around you and who supports you and advocates and lifts you up. Wow. You said there was one woman who was um, at the top of the level who was Black uh, when you entered the workplace. Uh, How is representation now? I wish I could tell you that it has grown significantly since I started in the industry 30 years ago. Um, But since I've been back, uh, pretty much the same people that were there uh, when I started, they're at the top of their game, but I'm not seeing as much multiplication of other Blacks below. So uh, from a personal perspective, uh, I would like to see that change um, as soon as possible. And as I meet with uh, my fellow colleagues, I I really am challenging them on that. You know, I ask, where's the next generation? Where are they? Um, I I think we need to see far more. Um, Interestingly enough, there are many um, Black people that join the industry, but they fall out really, really quickly um, because you get in, but there's no sense of belonging. There is no sense of inclusion. And having diversity without feeling a sense of belonging is you're unwelcome. And so we we tend to lose them quite quickly um, to other industries. They just leave the industry altogether. Or even worse, they remain in the industry, but they're so disengaged because they don't feel valued. um, They don't feel heard. They don't believe that their thoughts are being considered. They don't feel included. And so um, I, I think those changes of really creating a culture and an environment where um, people of color, Blacks, or feel belonged and welcome uh, can make a huge difference in not only attracting but retaining um, very sharp talent. Is that how you felt when you entered into the workplace? Oh, absolutely. Um, not me personally. Me personally, I felt like this is where I deserve to be. I'm in this room because. I did my stuff. I did my homework. I know who I am. I deserve to be in this space. And and what I don't know, I will learn because I have this growth mindset. I can learn anything I put my my mind to. So I never exclude myself from an opportunity simply because I don't know it all. I always posture myself as a learner. I'm always learning and I'm always growing. And and therefore, I never rule myself out of going for an opportunity simply because I don't know 100% of anything. Who does? Men don't anyway. Most men statistically know very little about a particular job or or opportunity when asked, but they go for it. I think we can take a page out of their book. So that's what I do. So personally, I don't feel that way, but I have been made to feel that way. I have been made to feel that way either by if I ask a question, um, instead of answering me directly, they'll look at somebody else um, that is most often not my color. Um, as, as if you're, you're not there. Um, fortunately, as I said, if you have a really great boss and ally and advocate for you, they, they will really help to steer and to, um, and, and to minimize and, and address those situations. But I got comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> I got comfortable with being the only black person in the room. And I realized that I had to start so that I can create a path for others to come and so it was a privilege, as uncomfortable as it was sometimes. Um, it's a privilege to be in the room because I cannot influence or make changes if I'm outside of the room. I need to get in the room. And so I was okay with that. You've got two sons. Three, I'm actually. Sure. Three. Three? Yes. Okay. 
Okay. Crazy me. <laughs> <laughs> have they experienced what you're speaking about with racism in the workplace? I'm not sure what their careers are. Well, not in the workplace um, per se. Um, so my oldest actually just started working in the industry um, all of about two weeks. And um, so, you know, I, I really just try to encourage him as well. And I, I was talking to him last night and I said to him, you know, you are joining the industry at a wonderful time. And I hope that the industry will welcome you and that they will embrace all the talents and the diversity of thought because he's very innovative, very creative, very millennial Gen Z. And I just think they have a wonderful <laughs> way of how they see the world. Um, so that's going to be his first work experience. But I mean, they've done internships. Um, two of them have done internships. And so they've been in the industry and they have, they've seen where they are the only one, the only person of color, period. Um, and as a male, the, you know, there are different dynamics for that. But, you know, I think as parents, um, we also have to really uh, talk to our kids openly about the racial issues and really make sure that we're preparing them for the real world. Don't have the experience I had when I went to Canada and, and thought that was just being impolite. Um, so we have really, um, should I say, um, animated conversations around this topic and it's really good to hear how they see the world and it's good for us to overlay our experience and our perspective and I think they are well prepared and they have handled themselves very very well um, but as any parents you know you're just um, you're concerned whenever you think that your your kid may be put into a position where they're 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 made to feel less than and so uh, we, we just do our best to try and prepare them for that um, I, I think they have what it takes to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel, because uh, I think I remember you and I speaking before and mm -hmm. you answered one of my questions and if you wouldn't mind answering it again, sure. did you, did you feel in your career being a black woman slowed your progression? Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and it's not anecdotal. When I look at others who joined the industry, other white male, and or white female who joined the industry the same time that I did. Some were, did not have the qualifications and or experiences that I had. And um, we were in similar jobs. They probably got paid more than I did. I have no idea. But when I look at our trajectory, oh my goodness. I mean, they took off at laser speed. And um, for me, it was more of a, um, I felt like I was, I was crafting my career strategically every single time I had to, I had to make it happen. That's, that's where a mentor came in. It was always, you know, what can I do next? You know, and I never focused on the problem. I was always focusing on the solution. How do I get myself, you know, positioned so that I can be considered, you know, um, we talk about glass ceilings for women, um, for, for black women, it's, it's more like a concrete uh, ceiling. You can't even see through, you can't see the possibilities. Because when you look up, there are no one, there's no one there, uh, one or two or three or four, but it's just not common. So it can be lonely at times. You know, I, I've been to many female professional groups and, you know, again, even among women as gender, within that you have challenges because you're maybe one of five or 10 black women in the group. And so there you are again as a minority. So inclusion is very, very important. It's not good enough to just have groups, but 
make sure that everyone feels feels welcome and and feels valued so yes to your question um what helped me was that i had white male allies who spotted my talent and um and advocated for me so if you can get a sponsor that would be fantastic and this is where i think white males play a strategic part in helping women and in helping black women in helping blacks period um, to really uh, move through an organization do you feel that black men have achieved more at a at faster rate than black women uh, no i don't i think women black women have achieved much more than black males um, I think, I'm not sure if this is just a female thing, but we are probably more patient professionally to um, play the game for want of a better word and to, um, to ride the tide and to see what happens. I think men, they just make up generally, and these are generalization. It gets really exhausting, Jess. It gets very exhausting when every day you're going into an office and instead of just dealing with the job itself, you're dealing with all this other stuff and it can weigh you down. It's not for everybody. If you're not wired that way, if you don't have the, the resilience and the grit and the courage and patience, um, it, it can be a very, very difficult ride. So um, respectfully, some people have exited the industry because uh, it's, it's just too exhausting. Um, my my desire is that um, the black men that are in it will stay in it for the course because we we need them to stay in it. Uh, we need black men men and women to lead organization. I want my kids and my grandkids to see that happen in their lifetime, and and for that to happen um, again, I, I cannot say enough. Diversity is a great place to start, but inclusion is where the glue. Um, happens. And from, from your experience, mm -hmm. um, you said it's exhausting. Do you have any examples of what's exhausting? Was there any banter that was used? Oh, it's, it's the microaggression. Um, it's the, oh, you speak so well for a black person. I'll put that in mm -hmm. the bracket. Oh, you're so polished for a black person. Oh, you're so smart for it's, it's, it's the small things. I wish I could tell you it was the big things, but it's, it's a lot of small things when added together and aggregate creates a picture and a story about how they see you plural as a group. And, um, and, and no one wants to be, I don't want to be singled out as the representative for my race and this is what they should look like, but it, it, it's part and parcel of what comes when you're the, the only person in the room. And I don't want to be the only one in the room anymore. I want the mm -hmm. room to be filled with all kinds of people, male, female, black, yellow, white, tanned, whoever. I, I wanna see our industry represent the world. My concern is it's not getting better. It's either yeah. plateaued or probably um, it's getting worse. And um, with the, the Black Life, Lives Movement, uh, albeit that it started out of the U.S., what it has done from a global perspective, it has opened up the conversation. And COVID and everyone being out created a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where everyone was paying attention, including myself. It was not just another incident. It had full attention. And so we have been given a moment in time to really um, change history and to really 
um, be a part of making things better and setting it up for the next generation so that our industry is not an industry that just reflects uh, one group of people and therefore one thought, but that it re represents many groups of people who are bringing innovative, creative ideas, um, collaborations that are just uh, phenomenal. You know, I was reading recently an article that says 85% um, of the jobs that are gonna be in existence in 2030 has not yet been created. Amazing. It means that our future is in front of us and it's going to be changing at rapid speeds. And I think for our industry to survive, for the insurance and the reinsurance industry to survive, we need to get, in, get involved in this change that is taking place. And that will include diversity. And the generation that is coming will require that. They are looking for that. Uh, they're gonna be asking, what is your diversity and inclusion policy? How many Blacks do you have in your organization? How, how are they promoted? What they are, they will be asking. And this generation will be much bolder than I was uh, growing up, thankfully. And they will be looking for that um, and they will be making decisions uh, based on the outcomes of those conversations. So we're, we're in a new time. I, I mean, I've experienced the banters and the jokes just being like a woman in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I know how uncomfortable it makes me. Would you have a no tolerance policy for these jokes? You know, I, I'm so, um, I'm not a fan of these jokes. I just think they are a, a very weak way, a cowardice way of, um, of devaluing others. And so yeah. when, I, when I see it coming, I, I usually do one of two things. I either deal with it head on or I do the witty thing certainly in, in the UK, in, in London, which is huge. So they get it right away, right? So yeah. uh, if you have a really witty comeback, I mean, that, that's far more effective than even trying to come straight at it. So um, it depends. And then there are safe uh, coping ways. For example, with my kids, for example, we go through role plays around certain things. If, if you're pulled over by a police, how would you respond? It's important to do role plays. So you have the language, you have the, the emotional intelligence to manage your emotions so that you are not creating um, more harm than good in that situation. And, um, and I think even as professionals, you should have your go-to expressions. Um, so it could be something as simple as, um, it could be maybe not in the moment, but maybe you could pull the person aside later or have a phone call with the person or um, send them a note and just, just say, I just wanted to share with you that you made a comment earlier and describe what the comment was. And this is how it made me feel when you made that comment. I'm not sure if you intended that, but I would appreciate it if you, et cetera, just lay it out succinctly as you would anything else. You know, we have to teach others how we want to be treated. And if mm -hmm. we are silent, if we are complicit by not saying anything and not highlighting what needs to be done differently, then we are perpetuating those same um, stereotypes and we are actually uh, condoning those behaviors. So I just think whether you're a woman or a person of color, whatever your difference is, embrace it and, um, and use your intelligence, your emotional intelligence to articulate what your position is and have those safe comments. If you, if you feel really flustered, you know, your safe comment could be, um, I'm actually, uh, I feel very offended by that comment and hold the space. 
um, you know, I know it's going to be frightening the first time you do it, but get used to doing it and get used to them being uncomfortable when you do it. Hold the space, hold that silence so that it sinks in. Because I think a lot of comments and a lot of attitudes are done without any thought. And we need to change that. People need to be more mindful about how they show up and about how they make others feel in their presence. Maya Angelou says, uh, people may, may never remember what you did and they may never remember what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. And, and, and that's so true. Wow. If someone's experiencing discrimination in the workplace, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I do. You know, first of all, um, you're not alone. Um, you know, if you feel overwhelmed, um, go in the bathroom, close the door, just breathe in, breathe out. Just remind yourself of who you are. Remind yourself of how valuable you are and stay in that space and know that you deserve to be where you're at. And then once you breathe through that, I'm speaking from experience. Um, then, then have the courage of your, uh, just think of your ancestors. Think of all the people that have opened up doors and made it possible for you to be where you're at and use that to propel you to, to move forward. So this is where a mentor comes in place. Look at the policies within your organization, find a trusted confidant or colleague. And if you have to seek external advice, please do so. Um, this is the environment where I don't really think this is the time to be um, trying to solve the world's problem on your own. There are lots and lots of very smart people out there that are willing to uh, lend their time and advice if you cannot find one in your organization. And if you're not happy where you are, if you don't feel the organization is valuing you, it's not treating you um, the way that you deserve to be treated, it's not giving you opportunities that you deserve, by all means, move on. <laughs> there are some amazing companies out there that are looking for your talent, looking for your diversity of thought, looking for your creativity, your innovation. There are many, many companies out there. So, um, you know, don't, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out where you're at. Perhaps it is time for you just to move on. I think that's perfect to end on. Thank you so much, Lorene. I really appreciate you waking up early to come on and, and chat a little bit with me today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Um, it's uh, great always to have the uh, platform to have these conversations and hopefully um, your listeners um, will have something to take away and perhaps to have discussion within their circle of influence and be a part of the change that is so needed in this industry. Thanks again. It really is. Thank you. You're welcome. You've been listening to I Can Relate. If you'd like to hear more of these episodes, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can do this on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or any other platform you're listening on. To become a part of the community, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Join me next time for another episode. Thanks for listening.